Five, four, three, two, one. Okay, we're recording. Here I am. Hi. Hello, hello, and welcome to Lioness. With me, your host, Jane Lion. Um. Wow, I feel terrified right now. To be honest, I feel like I want to stop recording, and I want to close my laptop, and I want to walk out of this building and very far away from what I am about to do. So, okay. This starting today's episode is already harder than I thought it would be. And uh, all day, I've been wanting to sit down and record this episode. It's 9.22 p.m. This is not when I normally record my episodes. I'm more of a fresh and early in the morning type of person. But I am sitting here struggling. And I'm thinking... Maybe you should sit down and talk about it. And maybe this is part of the healing, is sharing with your audience, with your listeners. So I'm going to start by leaning on someone. I really, I kind of wish someone was here. I kind of wish that I like asked someone to record this episode with me. But um, I have to take myself through this. So I'm going to just lean on Glennon Doyle for a minute. Um, if you don't know who Glennon Doyle is, like, just stop what you're doing and go order the book Untamed and, like, just don't talk to me until you've read it, okay? Um, Glennon Doyle is someone that I look up to so much. And, <laughs> and, uh, her, um, podcast, We Can Do Hard Things, has been one of those podcasts that has just carried me through this time in my life. And it's like, it's so funny because it's like not even so much Glennon, it's Abby Wombach, her wife. Like, I relate to Glennon so much. I relate to her so much. Like, I feel like I am her in so many ways. And the way that Abby loves Glennon. God, I sound so gay right now. I'm like tearing up. But the way that Abby loves Glennon is like the way that I want to be loved so badly. And their show is just, it's so fucking beautiful. And just having their voices in my head as I've been alone, like when I'm sitting alone at dinner or when I'm going on a walk or whatever, like if I have to get myself up and out of the apartment, I'm listening to these podcasts, to these people to kind of help me go, keep going, you know? So I understand the impact of having someone to listen to and having someone's voice to be there with you to carry you through whatever you're going through. And um, so after the breakup happened, I started listening to that podcast more and more. I really clung to my podcasts to like kind of keep the noise in my head at bay to focus on other stories instead of my own. And Glennon released an episode called Glennon's Hard Thing, which is why I decided to call this one Jane's Hard Thing. <laughs> and this episode, like, it triggered me so much to listen to and, like, almost changed the way I think about Glennon because in an episode this summer, she admit to having relapsed at the beginning of the year. 
And Glennon, if you don't know, she has an eating disorder. She suffered from bulimia most of her life. And we all look up to her, you know? Like, so many people out there look up to Glennon. And for her to come onto her show with her wife and her sister and to say that she relapsed her eating disorder and to just talk about it like fucked with me in so many ways first thing I thought was I really don't like that you're relapsing and talking about it I really don't like this I really don't like that you're acting like it's okay I really don't like any of this like I was almost like disappointed right but what I really what was underneath that was that I had relapsed and I didn't want to admit it and hearing someone I admit and res I, I admire and respect so much just admitting it like that, someone who has millions and millions and millions of women listening to her, counting on her, and to hear her just say, yeah, I might have it all, perfect family, perfect career, all of these things, but um, I still suffer from this disorder. And she's since had other, you know, guests on the show to talk about, like, living with this disease. And I think that's what's been so hard for me to admit these days. Is that I am 100% still living with this disease. And I 100% relapsed this summer, absolutely, without a doubt. I can't deny it anymore. And I know this isn't like shocking to any of you guys. Especially if you've been reading my blog, I've been like really open about it. It's easier to hide behind my words and type them onto a blog than to let you hear in my voice how afraid I am. So I actually, I don't have a plan for this episode. And I think that's why I was really scared to dive in. I thought maybe I should sit and write an outline of what I want to say about this and that didn't feel authentic, you know, um, to like plan what I'm going to say because I don't really know what to say. <laughs> um, I think I just want to kind of share with you guys what I noticed was happening and how I got help and how I'm doing now. Um, and as always, you guys know, like, the reason I share these things is not at all because I need anybody to worry about me. If My best friends are very well aware <laughs> that, like, you know, the people who need to know that I'm struggling, they know. Um, but it's really for those of you who need this message. Um, I know that if that one podcast episode that Glennon made that I've listened to so many times over again had such an impact on me, then I think that me being really honest about what I'm going through can be helpful to other people. And if I'm, if I'm not benefiting others from my own suffering, then what's the fucking point, you know? Here's what I've kind of been realizing today, which is why it feels so present. I really, really, really wanted to be 100% recovered. And I feel like I was telling a story over and over and over again that I am 100% recovered. 
And I feel like I really believed it. Like, I don't feel like I was lying. I feel like I really, really believed it. I feel like the relationship that I was in helped me cultivate a sort of lifestyle where my eating disorder really wasn't running my life. I really felt like I was freed from it. I was waking up and eating three meals a day like a regular person without any stress about it. Like to me, it was like I was living a recovered life. When I was upset, I would still eat. Like when things would be stressful, I would still eat. It's funny because looking back, like I really did like feel that I was recovered. But looking back, there were so many times when Bruna would say, it's, it looks like you're struggling and I really wish you would get help. And I really felt like I was doing fine. And that it's just, and that's the thing is that I'm almost like, I don't see what she was seeing. She asked me so many times, like, I just wish that you would hire help so that I can know that you're talking to someone about this so that I don't have to worry. And it's just like, looking back, I'm like, what was she worried about? Because I thought that I was doing so well. And that's where I'm like, what was I not seeing in my own self, you know? So here's the bottom line. When we broke up, I... I quickly went into protection mode and I was like, we're not going to let this take you down. You're going to keep eating. You're going to be fine. You're going to just keep going. And that lasted about six weeks, as most of you know. Like for six weeks, I just spiritually bypassed the whole thing and I was fine. And then it was literally like at that six week mark where like something switched in me, like the floodgates opened, the levee broke and I was really, really struggling. And... And this is something, you know, Glennon talked about in her show, like, when you're, when you're recovering from addiction, the relapse is crystal clear. <laughs> like, I relate so much to drug addicts. I don't know if you guys have noticed that yet. I basically act like I've been in AA. But the thing with being an addict that to me just isn't fair <laughs> When you're an addict, you just have to avoid that thing. You just have to get through every day not doing that one thing. When you have an eating disorder, you have to come up against that one thing multiple times a day, sometimes all day. And for me, my addiction was not eating, was just not eating at all. I went months without eating. And I know that sounds crazy. People will be like, no, you were... No, I wasn't. I was not eating. You can go weeks and weeks and weeks without food and function perfectly fine. It's fucking terrifying. You want to know what starts to happen? After about three days, your body starts to release chemicals. I don't know what they are. If any psychiatrists are listening, psychologists who want to explain this to me, I'll pop it in. But this is just my lived experience. Your body starts to release these chemicals and you start to feel so euphoric. And I feel like I shouldn't even be sharing this, but I, like it feels too dark. And like 
I shouldn't be sharing this. I shouldn't be giving anybody any ideas. But that is the addiction. And I don't think anybody knows this. I don't think I've ever explained this enough to someone because I'm so afraid of what you're going to think of me. That you're going to think I am crazy. But you get addicted to the euphoria that the starvation brings to you to keep you alive. And this is what creates a negative feedback loop where you can easily go days and days, if not weeks and weeks, if not months, without food. As long as you have water and sunlight and you sleep, you'll stay alive. And so that was my problem, was I had to learn how to eat. And it was so hard. It was so hard because not only did I have like these crazy obsessive compulsive rules that I had to slowly try to break down and be safe and believe that it was safe for me to eat, but I had to, my digestive system was destroyed. So it's like you survive, but the consequences, they came years later. And so not only did I have to learn to eat again, but I had to learn to heal my entire digestive system that was so inflamed. So my healing journey was just so brutal. I think that people who suffer from eating disorders, it's so ugly. It's, there's so, it's just so not glamorous. We don't talk about it. People who have recovered from addiction and alcoholism and all of these things, like, they talk about it. And I don't see people who have survived eating disorders talk about it. I'll never forget, and I've probably said this to you guys before, I feel like I've said this before, I'll never forget being in my college apartment by myself, so sick, so desperate for help, looking for any video on anyone a YouTube video of someone who had healed, someone who could talk to me. I found one video of Demi Lovato saying that she was in recovery. And that gave me so much hope. Because the only, I couldn't find anything else online. Everything else was like how to have an eating disorder. There was nothing out there on how to heal yourself. No one is sharing their experiences. So as painful as this is, like as much as I do not want to admit any of the things that I have said in the last 17 minutes, I feel like for me to be like a true, authentic, whole being leader, I have to, I have to say all of this that I'm about to say. So how do you know when you've relapsed? That is kind of, I think, where I was trying to figure it out. And I think I kept telling myself, like, you're okay, you're okay, you're handling it, you're eating. I didn't go a day without eating. I didn't go a day without eating. And so to me, like, I'm doing good. I'm doing fine. But again, everyone else's, everyone's eating disorders manifest differently. And something that was really hard for me is that every single morning I would wake up at 5 a.m. with so much anxiety in my body that I felt nauseous. And I would be dry heaving, just wishing I could throw up the nausea. And for me personally, that like 
like that wanting to purge but having nothing to purge is a symptom of my eating disorder for me for my experience in my unique complexity so not only was that happening but i could not taste my food every time i sat down to eat i realized i was not tasting my food and it sounds like i had so many people who like were being kind and so many friends who were like being nice that are just like oh jane like that's what happens when you go through a breakup like breakup diet no one can eat it's so hard it's awful but like you'll you'll be fine and i'm like i don't think anybody understands how scary this really is the thing that people don't know is that anorexia is the deadliest mental illness it kills people <laughs> like Yes, depression and anxiety and bipolar disorder and all of these other mental illnesses, they can lead to death, but the number one killer is anorexia. Why? Because it fucks with your heart. And the reason I had to take a medical leave in college was because they were afraid I would have a heart attack at 20 years old. That is how poorly I was taking care of myself. So... For addicts, a relapse can be deadly, right? Same thing for eating disorders. A relapse can be so deadly. And I spent so many nights of my life falling asleep, holding my heart, just hoping that it will keep on beating through the night. And I never, ever, ever want to feel that way again in my life. I have come closer to death than any of you ever know. I have been closer to taking my own life than I hope anyone ever experiences. And I, f I, the person that you see, Jane of 801, like, that's me. That really is me. But you didn't see who she was when she was 19, you know? Maybe you did, I don't know. <laughs> but I wasn't leading people, you know, I wasn't a teacher or anything at that time, which is good. You know, um, I think that's the hard thing about all of this, you guys, is that like, I don't want you to know this about me. <laughs> I don't want you to know this about me. And when the breakup happened, the only thing that was kind of keeping us still really loving was that Bruna could see that I was relapsing and then I wasn't okay and it turned a really angry household into a really gentle loving place and and here's what I realized today you guys like how can I say that I was ever recovered if a breakup caused a relapse that quickly and so I don't know if I was ever recovered I don't know I think that I saw glimpses of what it was like to live a recovered life but we're starting from scratch now. We're starting over again in a new way because I'm still in a healed body. I'm still strong. I'm not cutting my wrists like I used to. I don't have my head in the toilet like I used to. Like, I am still strong. The voices in my head are not running my world. My eating disorder is absolutely not running the show. But I would be lying if I didn't say that they weren't trying their best to kill me. And I know that is dramatic. If you read my blog, 
this is how I view my eating disorder. They're, they are murderers that live inside of me that want me dead. And if I don't tell anyone that the murderers are coming, it's a lot easier for them to kill me. The more I keep it a secret, the more power that they have over me. So let's just kind of roll over like my summer because I literally was like doing my very best to hang on. I ordered HelloFresh so that I would have meals in the kitchen. I literally, did you hear the 54321 that I did at the beginning of the show? That's what I would do. Okay, Jane, countdown from 54321. You're going to get up, go in the kitchen and make your food. Like, that's what I've been doing. Like, you got, it's, it's so fucking hard, you guys. But I was like, you're going to be fine, okay? You are going to just keep eating and getting through it. So I just kept trucking through everything, right? And I was like, I think you're doing okay. Like, I think you're surviving. Meanwhile, I'm on like 10 podcasts talking about how I'm recovered from my eating disorder and like completely falling apart on the inside. Go to my website. You can see the 15 podcasts I've been on so far in the last year. Then I went to California. When I look back on the month I spent in La Jolla, like I just see mush, sludge, stew, soup, liquid. Like I went there and I just completely emotionally fell apart on my own. Being alone in that house... In that house that like no one had lived in yet either, like there was no warmth there yet. Like no one had lived in that house for four years. It wasn't set up. There was boxes everywhere. Like, and then I was just there by myself and I didn't know anybody. And every morning I woke up there thinking, fuck, I have to eat three fucking meals today by myself. How the fuck am I going to do this? Like... That's the kind of stuff that I wake up stressing about, you guys. It's the first thing on my mind. Every morning I was in California was waking up and thinking, holy shit, another day that I have to face this thing that is so hard. And if I don't, I will die. Like, I joke about it a lot. Like, I always make this joke, like, Jane, you gotta eat or you'll die. But, like, I'm also being so serious about that. Being in California where nobody could see me, nobody was checking in on me, nobody could go to a meal with me, I really like let myself down. I really did. And it was in California that I started consciously skipping meals. Consciously. For me, it might not be feeling nauseous in the morning. It might not be not tasting my food or feeling like I can't complete my meal. But when I am consciously, knowingly skipping a meal because I don't want to deal with the stress of doing it, I know that I am relapsing. I know it. By the time I got to California, I felt so emotionally exhausted and heartbroken and crushed and just destroyed that there were just so many days that I just didn't have the strength to do it. And I would just like have a bowl of cereal. And, like eat a bag of popcorn and just like pretend like that's enough the more time went by the more helpless I started to feel the more panicked I started to feel like this is a slippery slope you're going down Jane if there was a drug I could pick up and stick into my arm I was doing it like very slippery slope I was walking down very very scared and thinking about how I'm about to go to Portugal where the food is different and you don't know any of the restaurants and everything's going to be different and 
If you can imagine how terrified I was to come on this trip after spending a month in California, just like, I felt like I lost all my strength. I just, I just was really spiraling. So here's the crazy beautiful thing is that the Friday before I left, that morning I woke up and I was just like, closest I've been to a panic attack manic episode like whatever you want to call it like I was coming right up on that edge of like just feeling like I was not okay and I wasn't sure what I was going to do about it like I was really scared I was not sure what I was going to do about the way that I was feeling but that day it just so happened that my mom was flying into town it just so happened that that hour that I wanted to probably go and hurt myself I couldn't because I had to go pick up my mom from the airport like I couldn't not pick her up so I like got my shit together and went and picked her up from the airport and literally the second my mom got in the car she looked me in the eyes and she was like you are not okay like oh my god you are not okay and I was like I know I'm not okay and um I wrote about this on my blog a few days the day before that I called my best friend crying and I just admit like I'm struggling and that's the key, you guys. That is the key. And I want a sidebar here because when I was 12, I knew I had an eating disorder. I knew something was wrong. I knew that I shouldn't be. I remember being at parties when I was 12, even like 10. Pool parties, like there's a specific, there's so many specific parties I have in mind where like people would be swimming and eating and hanging out and then like eating some more if they wanted to and then like getting in the pool and then like maybe eating some more and I remember being at these parties being like how do I do it is it okay if I eat I don't think I should maybe I shouldn't but I really want to but that food looks really good but no I shouldn't no it's too embarrassing like you're too awkward like no one wants to see you eating but like you really want to but like, and like I I remember thinking like something's wrong with me and boys in my middle school would bully me and call me names that I don't really want to repeat here because well I don't know if they too saw that I had an eating disorder but I was skinny so they wanted to make fun of me for it and if they saw me not eating at lunch when everyone else was they would make fun of me for it so I knew I knew that I had a weird problem with food but I felt like it wasn't bad enough to do anything about it. And that right there is what is so wrong with this story. I recently heard Demi Lovato, who's literally like, do you, I know that we all like, we all have these issues with Demi. I get it. But can you think of any, anyone as famous as her that has been as open and candid about her mental health? I, I always think of her and I, I appreciate her so much for that and I am gendering her in case you guys didn't hear she went back to sh she her <laughs> which to me is honestly kind of fucking annoying but I don't think that queerness is something you get to just try on but anyways th that is not what I'm here to talk about um, I just wanted you guys to know that I am properly gendering her <sighs> But what she said is that she 
Everyone on her team at Disney knew she had an eating disorder, and they basically made it worse by tracking everything that she was eating. And she kept asking them for help, like, please, I need help, like, I can't live this way. And they would say to her, but you're not even that sick. Like, you, you, you don't even look sick. And that's what, like, I knew that I was struggling. And it was like, the more and more that I allowed the struggle to take me over, the less and less aware I was of it. And the more elusive and dangerous the eating disorder became. So then I think about like in high school, this weird habit of like having everything and counting calories started. And so really what happened to me in college when I completely stopped eating, I had been building up to that since I was like 12, you know? I had been slowly, slowly making rule after rule after rule after rule after rule after rule after rule. I might actually sit down and make a list of all of the rules that I had, and I'm sure that you guys are curious about what they are, but I don't think sharing them would be a safe idea for anybody. But I am speaking to anyone who might be struggling with an eating disorder. What are your rules, babe? What are the rules around food that are running your life? And one of the little things that I've been trying so hard to break that today I broke at the last meal I had was that if you give me something cut in half, I will only eat the half. I can't seem to get myself not to. And that's when I know my eating disorder is active. Like I order something, it's cut in half and I can't fucking eat the other half. Like it's literally like, it's literally like a lot of times um, anorexia has comorbidities of obsessive compulsive disorder and I've never been diagnosed with that but these compulsions that you cannot ignore I like I cannot eat the other half so I've been breaking that because I saw that coming up again all of the sudden oh weird this weird rule is appearing again and I'm noticing that every time a restaurant cuts something in half I'm like fuck now I can only eat half why did you do that so I feel like I'm like jumping all over the place with this but hopefully that's okay my mom gets into the car and she looks into my eyes and she's like, oh shit. She doesn't even need to ask. She's like, someone's not eating. And here's the thing with eating disorders. You can, and this is what I've heard from so many people. Um, and I feel like when I look at pictures of myself, I can see this. But you can't see the eating disorder in someone's body, okay? So if someone is overweight and they tell you that they have an eating disorder, you better fucking believe them. If someone looks like I do, very healthy and trim, and they say you have an eating disorder, you should believe them. And if they're looking hella frail and skinny and thin, you should all, you'll, I'm sure you will believe them. The body is not what shows the disorder. I don't have any pictures of me when I was really sick, which I think is great. If I did, and I mean, I have them. You can go look at my Instagram and you can see it in my eyes. My eyes are dead. From 2012 to 2014, there is no light in my eyes. And that's, that's just how you can see it. And I think that when, my, when I picked up my mom that day, that's probably how I looked. I was just so happy that she was there. I was just so happy that she was there because as long as she was there, I was safe, you know? The thing that I love about my mom is that she didn't freak out. She didn't start panicking or making it worse. She didn't try to fix it because she didn't know how. And she'll say... Hun, I have no idea what you need or how to fix this for you, but we're going to find you someone that can. And whatever you need, I'm here for it, okay? And so I said to her, you know, I, I've been following this coach, actually, 
I said, I don't want to do therapy anymore. I don't want to, I don't want to go into these clinical settings anymore where they just treat me like I have this disease and then I'm like, I'm fucked up. I just, I don't want to do that anymore. <sighs> Damn it. Like this has got to have like, this has got to be like a half crying, but you know, you guys like treatment is rough. <laughs> treatment is rough. And that is, I just didn't want to go back into that space. I just, I didn't want to. I've done enough of that. And I just, no. So I was really grateful because I said, I want to try something different. I want to get a coach. I want a coach. And I've been following ever since Bruna said, I really wish that you would just find someone that can help you. I started looking. Because if she doesn't think that I'm recovered, then like, Maybe I need to talk to someone, but, like, here's the thing with eating disorders. How many people do you know who have gotten their doctorate's degrees and specialized in anorexia? <laughs> like, I think the hardest thing, and I know that so many people experience this in so many different realms, but, like, the hardest thing for me about treatment was that the average doctor doesn't know a fucking thing about an eating disorder. And you have to only find people who have specialized in it, and it's so hard to find those people. So if you go to the wrong doctor, I just had so many doctors, and that's a whole other story, but someday when I tell you guys about, like, my hospitalizations and everything, and my boyfriend being like, don't you see her chart? Don't you see she used to be anorexic? Like, don't you think that this has to do with why she's so sick right now? And the doctor's going, no, I don't see any correlation. And it wasn't until I was probed at the Huntsman Center that they were like, no, you're right. Yeah, we see the correlation. So I just didn't want to go back into that space. And I've been following this coach. She's called Nourished by Gab. And she is an eating disorder recovery coach. And she's certified through, oh gosh, the doctor's names should come off the top of my head, but they're not coming off the top of my head. But the book that I read that was like the one piece of literature that truly truly helped me heal it's called the eight keys to recovery the women the doctors who wrote that book have a certification program that gabby did so when gabby told me that i was like oh my god this is perfect this is perfect so thanks to my mom's push i got on a call with gabby that monday that monday signed to a three-month program with her, paid for it. On Tuesday, I left for Portugal. So basically, I got on this call with Gabby, and I was like, here's the thing. I thought I've been in recovery. I thought I've been recovered for six years. My girlfriend broke up with me at the beginning of summer. I am falling apart. I have definitely relapsed. I am struggling through every goddamn meal. I hate my life. I want to die. And I'm about to go traveling through Portugal and spend the next five months alone and I need someone in my corner. So what I realized is that, and here I am a coach, right? My whole, all of my income is being a coach. Having someone in your corner to talk to who understands what you are going through is fucking priceless, you guys. Priceless. Like, I didn't care what her, her container costs. It's like, when you're suffering as much as I was, it's like, I just need someone in my corner right now. And I'm so glad that I did that because she, the call with her helped me realize like, I am not spiraling. I'm doing fine. And what I've realized is that 
I, like I've said, I am a healed version of myself. Like I am six years later. I'm not six years going backwards. I'm a healed version of myself. My internal organs are functioning quite well. There is no inflammation. There is no, there is no infections. There is no issues going on inside of my body. Everything is functioning quite all right. And I'm still eating every day. I haven't gone a day without eating. I've still been eating regularly. Okay, so she helped me to see that like it is okay. I'm fine. And then fast forward... I get to Portugal, I'm with Lily, my foodie sister, we're eating everywhere, we're having so much fun, and I'm realizing that my eating disorder has morphed. My eating disorder isn't as strong when I'm around people. It's like when I'm around people, I get to enjoy food, and I just feel the pressure's off, and all the weird voices in my head aren't so loud. And, you know, being with my little sister, food was just fun and exciting and like, we just had fun and we went to so many, I just had the best time and the food here is amazing. I was so afraid. The day that she was leaving, I was literally in my head like, your 19 year old little sister is going to leave and you're going to fall apart and you're going to be alone in this country and it's going to be fucking terrifying. And luckily, the day that she left, I had my first call with Coach Gabby. And we did a little assessment, and I actually scored very well on her conscious eating assessment. And that brought me so much relief of like, okay, here we are in this like new, is it adapting? It's adjusting. Why can't I? Ugh, this is frustrating me so bad. Anyways, okay. So what I realized is that I needed support for my eating disorder in the way that it is arising now in my life right like it has evolved the disorder has evolved with me and so it's not like I'm spiraling back down into that really dark place I was in seven years ago no it's almost like I just fell back a couple of stairs and then we're like whoa we got to get acclimated with like these stairs that I just fell down so that I don't fall down them again it's like Okay, when we strip away all of the things that were keeping you feeling safe and secure, what happens? What aspects of your eating disorder arise? And so I felt so empowered after that first call because it was like, you're not falling apart, you're doing fine. We need to readapt to the way that your eating disorder is now coming for you, bitch. You know, like she's coming for you with a new face, with a new look, new vibe. And we've got to like retrain the warrior inside of us, the healthy soul, to fight this bitch off. So we set some goals. My big goal, so my main thing is that I'm not feeling my hunger cues. Like I, I'm not doing anything about my hunger until I'm feeling it in my mouth, which is really interesting because that's like the last like when you're like so hungry, you'll like shove anything into your mouth. So that's my big thing right now is that I'm just not feeling hunger cues but I'm eating because it's time to eat. And that I'm learning is called practical hunger. And it's just, it's morning, so we eat. I don't care if you're not hungry, you're just gonna do it. It's lunch, we're going to eat, okay? So, um, but the other thing is that, and it's so crazy because this was two weeks ago, I just said to her, I just really want to have a meal by myself and enjoy it. I don't want to feel anxious or uncomfortable or like everyone's looking at me. I just want to go and have a meal and enjoy it. 
So that was my big goal for last week. And if you read my blog, or if you even watch my Instagram stories, like, I have been having such amazing meals, you guys. And it's funny because when I first started going out to eat alone, I would be reading my book the whole time, and I would almost try to make myself small and, like, unnoticeable. And now I'm, le- I'm like, reading my book less, and I'm wanting to be, like, really present and, like, looking around the restaurant and, like, people watching and being seen, And showing people that, like, I'm very comfortable with myself. So it's been interesting in these two weeks of having this goal. Like, I have to eat every day. And I'm not going to cook in this Airbnb and eat. (laughs) Like, I'm going to go out. And I have to do that. Here's what I've realized in the past two weeks. I came to Portugal to heal my relationship with food. I didn't know that I was coming here to do that. That certainly was not my plan. But that's what I've been doing. I hired an eating disorder coach to help me. And for the past two weeks, I've been working, you guys. Like, yeah, I've been out and about, but I'm working. And so my days have actually been centered around my my classes and my client calls. And then when I'm going to have my meals in between them. I came here to really, really focus on feeding myself, which... It feels like silly and embarrassing to say that, but so much goodness has come out of this alone time I've had. First of all, when you're alone all day, every day, no one else gets to influence your feelings, your thoughts. No one else gets to distract you or take energy away from you. And you get to be so in tuned to your own being and your own needs and your own experience and your own freaking crazy monkey mind. And... A, I notice that when I'm with people, I'm just distracted by the food and it's just easy to eat and it's almost like it's covering up the disorder. And it's when I'm alone that it gets really, really, really loud. And that I have had to have all of this time alone to focus on nothing but my meals and my work and my beingness in order to heal. So not only did I start to feel emotional because I had the best vegetarian taglioni of my life the other night, But I've been having so many delicious meals. But here's what happened. That first meal that I had that I wrote about, I blogged about because I was so excited because I had finally succeeded. That night, my ego got so loud. I was like, Jane, you're healed. You're cured. You just had the best meal ever. You ate three full meals today. You're doing so good. Who needs Coach Gabby? You don't even need her anymore. That one session was all you needed. And as soon as I heard that voice in my head, I was like, "Uh uh-oh this ain't good. The next day, I struggled so hard to get meals in. So hard. The next day, I was so in my grief. I was so sad. And who wants to eat when they're sad, you know? And so it's hard because some days I feel like I'm winning and then other days I feel like I'm just losing and I'm just failing. But I have my coach and I get on and I try again. So today we had a call And I was talking to her. I was just kind of venting about all this weird shit that happens in my brain every time I go out to eat. Like, I needed, I needed to go through this experience of having all these meals every day all by myself to witness how bizarre my mind is. And as I'm talking to Gabby, she stops me and she goes, Jane, it sounds like you're trying to convince all of the people around you that you don't have an eating disorder. 
And the first question is, why do you think people know this about you? And why are you trying so hard to fool us into thinking you don't have a problem? And what I realized is that my eating disorder has adapted to surviving treatment. Like, it was like this, like, bling, 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 like, light bulb moment. That's why I, I can't go back into treatment. And in treatment, they tell, this is, Gabby didn't like to hear this, but I've had this said to me so many times, oh, you're a restrictive anorexic, you're our favorite kind. And I would say, why? Because you're perfectionists and you'll do everything we say. And my little eating disorder voice loved that. I was like, oh, I will be perfect. I will get straight A's. I will check all of your boxes. And I will give you the impression that I am healed. I will. I will trick you. And I will even make Jane believe that she is healed. Because she is doing all the things that in treatment they want you to do to show that you've healed. Which is, when you're around other people, you can eat totally fine. All of these little things, right? And when I'm out at restaurants, if I don't finish my food, I am so sure that everybody around me is looking at me thinking that poor girl can't eat. I'm so sure of it. So now I've got to practice that it's okay if I don't finish my food. Then on days when I do finish my food, <laughs> I'm literally looking around like, why isn't anyone cheering for me? Like, I want to look at the table next to me like, do you see how I just ate that whole salad? Give me five. Give me five. I need a pat on the back. And she's like, why are you out to prove to the world that you're healed? And that's what I realized. My eating disorder so badly wants to look like I don't need help. It has really adapted, morphed, evolved. Give me the damn word, you guys. Give me the damn word I'm looking for. Mutated! Sorry for yelling. It has mutated into something more subtle, more elusive, more quiet more gentle. It's harder to see. It's harder to touch. It's harder to grab onto. And today we were like, whoa, we're seeing it. This is weird. We're seeing it. We're getting it out in the open. And I'm saying all this weird stuff that's on my mind. And it is such a relief to talk to someone about how fucked up I think my brain is and to have her just be like, yeah, yep. So interesting. Eating disorders, man. So I feel really, really empowered by her. She has a group also, which is cool. So I'm going to get back into group. Um, sadly, the group is at 1 a.m. my time while I'm in Europe. So I've been missing it. But group therapy was the only part of treatment that actually helped me a lot, in case anyone wanted to know. I found that talking to a group of girls who understood what I was going through was so much more supportive to my being and my soul than talking to a trained therapist who had no idea what I was going through. So many of the people that I was in treatment with that were the doctors had never suffered from their own eating disorder and I had a hard time with that, to be honest. I know that that shouldn't be a thing, but it was important for me that the person coaching me and helping me in my recovery actually knew what I had been through and could relate to it on some level. So, so having someone to talk to, to voice message her throughout the day, to tell her, oh, I just had the best meal, or like, oh my god, I started freaking out during this meal, and other weird things that I'm noticing, you guys, like sometimes you just don't like the way your food tastes. Like sometimes it just has too much salt, and it's just not good. And sometimes you're just full, and you're done eating. And that's my, like, I've never binged. 
I never feel too full. That's my, that's my problem is that like, I don't let myself get full and I'm so afraid of just being chronically undernourished. I just want to celebrate how much I've been loving Portugal because A, I love that I can walk everywhere. I can walk in one mile and pass 20 restaurants. The other thing that I love is that there's uh, pastelarias and padarias all over the place. Padarias are kind of what I prefer because it's usually a bakery with like fresh breads, fresh croissants, fresh sandwiches, fresh juices. Um, they'll make you eggs. It's kind of cool. The padarias, my understanding is that they kind of have everything that a bakery and a coffee shop would have. And you kind of ask them for what you want. So I'll order eggs and toast with an espresso. Or I'll order like a fresh, fresh juice, fresh juice of the day with like a croissant or a little custard. Um, and I love it because you can go in, you can get a fresh juice that they squeeze right in front of you. And every day there's different juices. You can get an espresso. And whatever your main entree is, like a sandwich, eggs and toast, fresh bread, whatever you want, salad, for like 7 euro. Some places I would get that for like 4 euro. I'm noticing if I'm closer to touristy places, it's more expensive. And if I'm further inland, it's, it gets even cheaper. So not only that, I feel like I'm spending no money on my food. But then I get the food. And like something that I've been eating way too much of is salmon sandwiches the german in me or is that the jewish girl in me like lox it's like fresh salmon in a baguette with cucumbers and tomatoes and lettuce and basically every padaria just has these sandwiches in the baguettes just out and every afternoon i'm noticing that i that's what i crave and i'm actually craving foods so i've been loving that to go to the padaria for lunch and get my like my little sandwich my little salad my fresh juice for seven bucks there's just honestly i've been eating a lot of italian food portuguese food is good i think i've already told you guys like it just reminds me a little bit too much of the family that i thought i was gonna marry into someday so i've been avoiding the portuguese food also portuguese love their fish um and i'm just not a big fish person so um i've been eating a lot of italian food a lot of indian food a lot of French food at lunch and the food here you guys oh my god it's so good it's so good first of all all the toxins that we have in our food in the states it's illegal here so the food here is actually really really good for you when I go to the padarias I can see them actually baking the food everything is fresh fresh I went to this restaurant last night and ordered a caprese salad and ate every bite of it and realized this is so silly you guys but i realized i trusted the salad more i trust the food here more i haven't had one stomach ache and i'm i know i don't sound like i'm eating a lot you guys but like once i get going i'm eating a lot it's like once i get started i can keep going but like I'm, I'm getting gelato every night. I'm stopping at the little mini marts to buy like the, the cookies here and the chocolates here. And I keep trying to find like a bag of chips. I don't think they care for chips here. I can't find any like good salty things. But, you know, 
I've been really wanting to just try all the foods and I'm not having any belly aches. Last night, you guys, it was like kind of embarrassing. I'm like in bed. It's midnight. I'm literally eating these, what is it called? Milka? Um, I forget what they're called. I don't have, Milkas, yeah. These like chocolate wafers. And I'm thinking, I'm gonna be so sick when I wake up in the morning because I'm eating these chocolates in the middle of the night. And that's just, I know my body. If I eat anything late at night with sugar in it, especially, I'm going to feel so shitty when I wake up. You guys, I have been eating sugar every night before bed, waking up feeling fine. I wake up, no anxiety, no stress, no fear, no heartbreak. I am, I'm not thinking, oh fuck, I have to get through the day of eating again. But I am thinking, oh my god, I can't wait to take a walk down the street to go get my espresso because I'm back on my caffeine. I just want to celebrate that like things are going really well, you guys. I'm feeling so much better. Today I had two meals and they were both actually pretty challenging. And I should have gone out for a third meal. I should have. But I have been sitting here kind of in a fit with myself of not wanting to and feeling frustrated. So instead of spiraling into that, I wanted to make this show. And I wanted to just share with you guys where I'm at and what I'm going through and how the food in Europe is healing me. Like, part of me is like, what if we all have all this fucked up relationship with food in the United States because the food is fucking toxic there? When I go out to eat a bowl of carbonara, you guys, so many nights in a row, I'm eating a bowl of pasta for dinner and I'm feeling fine, not bloated not yucky. Also, my skin, I know you can't see it through this microphone, but you guys, my skin is crystal clear. My skin has never looked this good. And there's also a lot, not a lot of crime here, and I haven't seen one gun. And I'm like, could it be that people are just like content with their lives here? Could it be? Another thing that I'm really enjoying is that like, no one here is in a rush. Like nobody here is in a rush. I love it. So I also feel like I'm having this, all this time to enjoy my meals, you know? Like, it's not like, normally I have lunch between my coaching calls and I give myself 30 minutes to just whip something up and scarf it down. My coaching calls don't start till like 6 p.m. So I have all day, you know, this, this spaciousness of this time alone that I've had is just incomparable to anything. And I'll say this, you know, alone time. Tempo sozinha é muito importante. I don't know why I'm speaking Portuguese all of a sudden. It's so important to have your alone time. Because what I've noticed is that when we're around people all of the time, we are not only managing their energy, but we are managing our own energy in reflection to them. So, for example, this morning after I ate breakfast, I just wanted to go for a long walk. I found this beautiful dock and a beautiful place to sit down and I happened to have my journal with me and I sat down and I opened my journal and as soon as I noticed what the date was, I started crying and I felt this huge wave of grief come over me once again for my relationship and I just got to sit there on the dock and spend 30 minutes crying about it journaling about it. Nobody could see me. Nobody could hear me. I was all by myself to just let myself 
let those emotions bubble up and work through my body. If I had been with someone else all day, I wouldn't have been able to allow myself to nurture those emotions. When I'm with someone else all day, I don't get to hear the whack-ass eating disorder voice that's running the show. When I'm alone all day, I really get to listen to what's going on inside of me. And it is so precious, y'all. I get really scared that I'm never going to find another relationship again. And then I'm also like, get really scared that someone's going to take this away from me. Like someone's going to, some amazing girl is going to come and fall in love with me. And then all of this alone time is going to end, you know? I'm so, so, so grateful for that heartbroken Jane who got on and bought this one-way ticket to Portugal. Because being here has been so healing in so many ways that I wasn't expecting and I'm so grateful and I just feel so like honored and excited that I get to share this with you guys that like I'm doing okay I'm recovering from all of this and I'm gonna come out of this so much stronger you know and Gabby said to me today like you're recovered when no matter what happens in your life you don't go to your eating disorder habits to cope so let's visualize that future for you you know but right now, you guys, I'm in it. I'm in it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I did it. I shared with you guys. I opened up. You guys, I'm just... I'm feeling a lot better that I made this episode, that I opened up to you guys, that I, I feel like I'm clearing so much. I feel like this breakup has been the most healing thing that I could have done. It's really been showing me all that I couldn't see. You know, I think about growing up in the mountains in the backyard, there's logs, right? And some logs you flip over and there's just like tons of bugs under the log, right? This breakup felt like picking up a big log and seeing all the bugs that were under it and being like, oh, we got to clear out all these bugs, girl. We didn't see all these bugs here before. It's almost like my relationships were filling the holes that my eating disorder was putting in my soul. And then when I was alone, it was these gaping holes. And I have to fill them myself. If you're struggling with an eating disorder, please, this is your sign. Get help. Get help. I am not your help. I am not an eating disorder coach. Um, if you want to reach out to Gabby, if you want to coach like her, reach out to Gabby. I am sure that she still is taking clients. Also, I want to just give you the eating disorder hotline. So NEDA, um, nationaleatingdisorders.org, you can look that up. They have an online chat Monday through Thursday, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. They got to have their weekends, I guess. And then you can also call them at 800-931-2237. Same thing, it looks like 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Friday is 11 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time. And you can also text them. Wow, they have even less hours available through text, 800-931-2237. So check this out. But there's also a lot of other hotlines. Um, there's the Butterfly Foundation. There's a helpline there, 131144, or sorry, 131114. You can call them. It's just a crisis line, okay? Also, you may not 
feel like you're in crisis. I think that's the thing with eating disorders is that not a lot of us really feel like we're in crisis. We might feel like we have to be a certain level of sick before we want to get help, and I'm here to say, fuck that. If you think that at all, in the tiniest little minuscule way, you're struggling with food, you deserve help. And there's nothing to be ashamed of. So whether you want to get a therapist, or talk to a friend, or talk to your mom, or talk to your sister, or get a coach, I just want to give you the push to get the help that you need. For me, I did not want to reach out to that coach because then I would have to admit that I was struggling. And I realized that my eating disorder had morphed into this, like, pretend we're recovered disorder. And that wasn't real. That wasn't real recovery, so we're starting again. And you deserve to get the help that you need, okay? Okay, my loves, let's take a couple of breaths together. I hope that you're feeling okay. I hope that you're feeling safe in your body right now. I hope that you're feeling inspired to fucking overcome whatever shit you're dealing with right now. And if you're listening to this and you don't have any problems with food at all, just just be so grateful that you enjoy eating and that you love food and that you take pleasure in it because that is all I want. That's all I want in my life right now. It's like, I don't care about money. I don't care about finding a new girlfriend. I don't care about my clothes. I don't even care about finding the best place in the world to live. I just want to enjoy eating again. And I, I want to be able to do it on my own. I don't want it to be because someone else is here. I'll check back in with you guys later and let you know how it's going. And I would like to make one more episode before I leave Portugal. So send me any more questions you have about Portugal, anything else you want to know about my travels. I'll be hitting London after this, and then I'll be back in the States before you guys know it. Okay, headed to Maddie Maple's Fruition Retreat in La Jolla in San Diego. I think we have a few spots left there if you want to come party with us at the beginning of October. For those of you who are coming, I can't wait to see you. You know who you are. Okay, thank you so much for listening, you guys. I love you so much. Ciao, ciao.